0: Uh, In chapter 5 of Esther, if you guys want to follow along with me, um, I'm really just, God is speaking so much through this book, and I know we've all probably read through it before, and maybe it's the first time reading it, but every time you study his word, there's always some new depth, some new truth, and I'm just so grateful for that, and it never fails, wherever you're going to be teaching for that week, God has you walking through some kind of trial or something to, to show you his faithfulness. And so last week, in Chapter Four, um, we read where esther um at first she was frightened um, she didn't want to go and appear before the king, um, and we can all relate with that. but then she realized that she needed to fast, she needed to pray, and that was what she needed to do. and so we see that we see that she goes to the she goes before the Lord and she sits before him, and she fasts. And she prays to the Lord for three days. And she sought his wisdom. She sought his strength and his mercy to go before the king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning. And Lord, we, we are not facing what Esther faced at that moment, Lord. But we all have trials in our lives. And we all have uh, things that come before us and are frightening and scary. And Lord, we just need to remember that you see it all and you go before all of us and you, your providence is there. You never fail us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And even before we know you, you are, you are working in our lives, trying to get our attention. And Lord, as we come and we draw to you right now, this morning, we pray that you would help us to empty our thoughts, empty our minds, empty our hearts of things that, that aren't right and aren't fitting to you, and help us to glean from your word what it is that you have for each one of us, and just fill me with with your Holy Spirit, help me to teach these ladies, and anything that is not of you, I pray that I I wouldn't speak it, and that um, you would just help me to speak your love, your truth, your righteousness this morning, and help our hearts to receive it, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week, like I was saying, um, Esther had to go. She had to sit before the Lord. There's times that we need to sit, and there's times that we need to stand and take action. And that is the title of my message today, is a time to sit and a time to stand. And we've all been there. We've all had times where we just needed to sit and fast and, and seek the Lord because there was nothing else we could do. And we've all been in situations where we needed God's courage to walk through some crazy battle. And I just, I love that this is in here because I, we all have stories. We all have different, different areas in our life where we just really needed to rely on the Lord. And we should be relying on him every day. But there's times where we, we draw to the end of ourselves and we have to sit and we have to come before the Lord. And so, uh, it brought me to Ecclesiastes chapter three. you guys want to turn there with me, um, Because there is a time and a purpose for every season under the earth. And so Ecclesiastes 3 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. We know she kept silent. She had to go and, and not silent before the king, but silent before the Lord and seek his wisdom, his guidance, his strength, his courage. And so now it is a time to speak. It's a time to stand. And so back to Esther, we're going to read um, chapter 5. Actually, I'll read 4 at the end of 4 um four sixteen she said go gather all the jews her president shushan and fast for me neither eat nor drink for three days night or day my maids and i will fast likewise and so i will go to the king which is against the law and if i perish i perish so mordecai went his way and did according to all that esther had commanded him she gathered her people to help her to come alongside and we can do that as well We need that. We need each other. We need that community of praying together, seeking the Lord for each other. And so now, chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the royal throne in the in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went out, or I'm sorry, Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. So Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly that he may do as Esther has said, so the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So we see here, God gives Esther favor once again. We know that King Ahasuerus in the past, what did he, he banished Vashti. He's a man, a very quick, quick-tempered, quick to listen to other people. And this time, again, he, he sees favor, he finds favor with Esther so, have have we ever been in a situation? Have you guys ever been in a situation where you were frightened, you didn't know what would happen, you needed to sit, you needed to fast, you needed to pray? Um, I have a story of my own that God was reminding me of um, in a different light when I was studying this this chapter. Um, a lot of you know my story of my testimony between me and my husband and, and our family. And I remember the day leading up to this one particular day. I had prayed over and over and over, and my husband was not saved. And before his BC days, before he knew Christ, he was not a nice man. Um, And he'll admit it. (laughs) But he was different. He was a different kind of guy. And um, he was, it was bad. Our relationship was was very scary, and I was was afraid. I, I had much fear. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then at one day, God said, I've made a way for you. Move. Go. And he gave me the picture of the Israelites when they're standing at the Red Sea. And they're, they have the, the Egyptians behind them chasing them. And there's water before them. And what are they going to do? And they're crying out to the Lord. And the Lord said, go. I've made a way for you. And that is exactly what God showed me that day, was I needed to stop um, quivering in my in my boots And I needed to go because god had made a way and So I did I left and god provided He had to move I was in the way so This is where my title is is there's a time to sit and a time to stand god told me to stand and to go When we stand we are in action when we're sitting There's a time for that There's a time to sit and to fast and, and come before the lord And then there's a time where god tells us to act actively move and because I obeyed the Lord, God saved my husband. And so, circumstantially, I was frightened to leave. I was so scared. I had four children. I was 25 years old with, um, I don't even remember how old my oldest was, maybe five. Um, and I had all the way down. I had little stair steps. And so I had a new five-month-old and a five-year-old, and in between their children. And I was young, but I knew the Lord, and God God gave me a way out. And some people would look at that and go, God would tell you to leave your husband? Yeah, he did. Because I needed to get out of the way. And because I obeyed, and I was frightened, but I obeyed, God saved my husband. And spoiler alert, we know God saves the Jews. So just something that God was pouring over me as I was reading this is, he will give us those things, that time in our time of need he he gave me favor with four different families. We stayed five nights away from our home. My husband didn't know where we were. Uh, we were in hiding because it was that dangerous, and um, and so God gave me favor with four different families with my my little brood of, of children, and uh, He made a way and He He took care of us. And so here Esther walks before the king, frightened probably. But at the same time, she has courage. We see a different, different, um, different Esther. The first, her first immediate reaction was, uh uh, I ain't doing that. I, it's, do you know what happens to people that do that? And we can all do that, but I'm sure God was speaking to her in her, um, in her head of, trust me. And so that's encouraging for all of us. Trust Him. Listen to that voice as we sit and we be still before Him. So we see God gave Esther favor. So let's go to chapter 5, verse 6. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in your sight of the king... And if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. So we might go, why is she doing it again? Why Why would she not just tell him then? But again, we can look at our own circumstances and go, there's times where it does not make sense. Why would I do this again? Why would I? Why aren't I just going ahead and rushing and telling him? 'Cause we think, oh gosh, you know, I gotta hurry up, I gotta get these things done, I gotta I gotta move on. I'm on a schedule. <laughs> but God is in control. His ways are not our ways. And we see that. Um, in Isaiah fifty five, eight, you wanna turn there with me? You can or you can't. 55.8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't always understand why God has us do things the way that we do or the way that he asks us to. And we may be in circumstances where people say, you know, they question us or they judge us. Why are you doing it like that? Why? That doesn't make sense, especially to the world. Our lives do not make sense to the world, but God's thoughts, His ways are higher than our ways. He sees the big picture. We know that through this, as as we get through the book, His timing was perfect because the day of Purim was the day, and the day that they um, were supposed to be annihilated by the people, the Jews were supposed to be annihilated. Instead it turns around and those people that we're going to annihilate end up getting annihilated by the jews and they're able to protect Themselves and it's on that day. So god's timing is perfect So when people try to to judge our ways or not understanding why why wouldn't you just you know We can go back to This is what the lord's telling me to do and i'm going to obey him I answer to the lord not to you or to anyone else. Let me say it gently and nicely but (laughs) Getting the point across But I just think it's beautiful that Esther obeys. She's, she's a testimony of here for us to just walk in obedience. And it's okay to ask questions, but usually we don't get those answers. We just need to walk in obedience. So God was working patience in Esther, I believe, and he was also working patience in Ahasuerus. And so the king is he's offering many times to Give her up to half the kingdom. We never heard of that with Vashti. There's something different about Esther, and we know it's God. God is in her, and he's He's pouring out through her. So her quiet, her gentle spirit was being revealed again, and the king could see this. And the king was finding favor, but it's because God is in her. So back to um, chapter 5. Verse 9, so Haman went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. I find that really striking because Haman's excited. He enjoyed this banquet. He, had, he enjoyed it. He had fun with them or, or whatever that looks like fun, maybe because um, it was filled with wine and food, but he enjoyed it. But, verse 9 says, when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand or tremble before him. He was filled with indignation against Mordecai. This is a man that's discontent. He is swaying one way and the other. What an emotional roller coaster, because he's he's on this high of happiness, and then oh, there's Mordecai, and he, he hates this guy. And we know why. We studied that a couple weeks ago. Um, Belinda was showing us that, that there is a long line of, Friction between the Jews, God's people, and the uh, Agagites and the Amalekites. and so we know there's a friction there. But Haman is filled with wrath. He is—he wants to take out Mordecai, and he can't even let—he can't even keep this joy that he had. He just had a glad heart, and he was filled with joy. But as soon as he sees Mordecai, it's—it's not good enough for him. That day has been ruined. So. With, uh, with Mordecai, this he, this was a testimony for me. With Mordecai is that Mordecai, after coming and hearing the news, he's sitting in sackcloth, he's sitting in ashes, and he's, he's in mourning because he's thinking these, our people are going to perish. But now, after fasting and praying, we see a different Mordecai. We see a Mordecai sitting. He's at rest, and he's sitting, and he's doing exactly what he's always done. So we can, even in our trials, even in our tribulation, we can sit and rest in the Lord when we keep our focus back on Him. I know my week's been a little bit frazzled, and when I take my eyes off of my circumstances and put it back on God's Word, I can sit and rest and breathe again. But when I go back, it's like Peter, when he saw the storm, and he goes to leave the boat, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's able to focus but as soon as he sees the waves, he he starts to sink. And that's us. And that's here with Mordecai, his perspective's different. He's able to sit in the king's gate and do his regular routine. And this, Mordecai doesn't like this. Mordecai wants him to tremble because he knows that Mordecai knows about this now. I'm sure he saw him sitting in sackcloth and ashes and ripping his clothes and being, being in mourning. But now we see a different Mordecai, and this... Haman does not like. And so we're going to have these, these issues in our life where people are going to be upset. And really it's intimidation and jealousy. Why don't, I want what they have. Why are they so happy? Why do they have joy? Don't they know I'm going to destroy them? Well, what does God's word say about that? It says in uh, Psalms 121-3, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. God is always awake. He's always on the throne. He's always in control. We do not need to be moved by our circumstances or by enemies. And again, it says in Matthew 10:28, "Do not fear those who kill the body, that cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body and hell." He knew that he could have perfect peace because God was in control. And again, in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Mordecai could stand firmly because his trust was in the Lord. It was not in his circumstances. And it wasn't even in Esther. Esther. He knew Esther would go because Esther said she would. But his trust had to be in the Lord and he had peace. So he was able to sit in the king's gates. I just think that's, again, that's, that's a, a testimony for us. All these stories in the Bible are so we can reflect, so we can learn and, and trust the Lord. So Haman, I believe, that, that made him fearful. Usually when we're afraid, it can lead to anger. Or, you know, hatred obviously leads to anger. But there's all kinds of things with Mordecai going on here. He's afraid. He's intimidated. And so he doesn't like that Haman is not bowing down to him. I'm sorry, that Mordecai is not bowing down to him. So verse 10. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and called for his friends and his wife, Zerich. So I, I believe the time frame... He hadn't seen his wife, he hadn't been home, because when this is all taking place, there's quite a few months here where he's um, he's serving the king. Now the king had made him of higher power and whatnot, and so he hadn't been home. So now he's going home and he's seeing his wife and his friends. So Haman, verse 11, Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. So Haman is full of himself again. He's boasting. He's excited about me, me, me and everything that, um, that is going on in his life where he doesn't even know on the flip side, the reason he's getting invited to these banquets is because he's, he's going to be called out in his sin. And I love, there's so many verses that I couldn't write them all down, but there was a verse, um, that comes to mind about, What is done in darkness will be brought to light and we can rely on that when there is someone maybe is sinning against us and doing things That's hurting us. They're really sinning against the lord and the lord Will have vengeance. He will deal with those things so we can trust in him God's at work behind the scenes and he's going to deal with it. And so Haman though, he has not a clue. He's just thinking he's mr. Awesome So but that's what pride does to us. Pride causes us to be blinded by our, of even our faults. So Haman doesn't even see his own faults here. Verse 12. Moreover, Haman said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I again am invited by her along with the king. Verse 13. Yet... All this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. He's just so discontent with Mordecai's life that he's even alive. And that's just so sad because Mordecai should be enjoying the fruit of his, his labor if he's really enjoying all these things that he has, these blessings, but instead he's so focused on wanting to destroy a man. And so maybe for us, maybe we have anger towards somebody. We can get little Hamans stirring up inside of us, and we need to squash them and and do a regular heart check. Like the Lord says, uh, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then Saul, um, David in the Psalms wrote, you know, to or wrote the, the Psalm, "Search me, O God, and know my and uh, know my heart, and try my anxieties, and see if there be any wicked way in me." He knew we should know that we don't even know what's going on in our heart half the time. Why am I frustrated? Why am I angry? Why am I frustrated and irritated? we need to do a heart check. Haman didn't even see what was really going on inside of his heart. Verse 14. Then his wife Zerich and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made, fifty cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. Wow. (laughs) So... His wife is going along and giving him awful counsel. She advises her husband to commit murder. It's not even this this edict that was made that the king had signed. This is just go ahead and kill him, and then you can go merrily on your way. So I saw this as the tale of two wives. We see King Ahasuerus, and we see Haman, both men filled with anger and indignation at times, and quick-tempered. But there's two wives, and they're two different wives. Esther, filled with God and His Spirit, and she has a gentle and quiet spirit, and she's being led by the Lord, and she's patient. She's not running, um, rushing to things. She's waiting on the Lord. And then you have King, or I'm sorry, Haman's wife, Zerich, who who is advising her husband, going along with his frustration, his anger, instead of maybe taking. A little bit of exhortation to her husband and saying, Honey, no. Like, hey, look at all the good that's going on. Why Why would you want to... What's wrong with this guy Mordecai? Tell me about him. She's not even um, investigating the matter a little bit more. Instead, it's, I got a quick fix for you. And I think for her, there might have been bitterness in her heart. She hadn't seen her husband for a while. And so if this guy is in your way, then, then destroy him. Maybe she was sad. Maybe she was lonely. Who knows why, but... What kind of counsel are we giving our husbands? We know, as the word says, by a um, gentle and quiet spirit, we can do so much. We can come alongside people. We can encourage them. So maybe not everyone's married, but what kind of friend are you? Are you being a Esther or are you being a Zerich? That's hard because sometimes I think we're a Zerich and we just act. I've never, never advised anyone to do this, <laughs> to take someone out, but... Just the, the fashion behind it. So what kind, of, what kind of wife, what kind of counsel are we giving to our friends? Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Sometimes it hurts to tell friends the truth, and they leave little wounds and little bruises, but those heal If Mordecai commits murder, that's on him for the rest of his life. So it's better to be a little bit wounding in a good way, in a gentle way, than to tell someone to commit murder. James 3.17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we know true godly wisdom, that's from God. And we can get that by praying and seeking. So maybe if our husbands or our friends are having a difficult time, we need to pray and seek for godly wisdom before we just, I know, just take them out. <laughs> you know, um, I know in the past my husband has shared different things with me, and I'm like, man, and I'm right there doing the, you know, yeah, you're right. That guy's so mean. I can't believe that. And, and right there, like, you should just, you should just tell him tell him who he is and and go and weigh it up and then god convicts you of like really what about turning the other cheek or you know or whatnot like really conviction and um trusting the lord with maybe being patient and maybe swallowing those things before we speak be slow to speak right slow to anger but it's sad that haman he displeases him He didn't even question it So we see where their hearts are Where his wife is And where Haman are Where their their, um, hearts are In Genesis 4.38 We see the very first murder We see Cain killed Abel And it started with anger So each of us We need to check our anger We need to check our hearts When we have anger And we can say Oh but it's just a little It's different I'd never kill somebody But the reality is we need to check our hearts, because if we have that anchor, we can act in it. Our flesh is strong, but we need to walk in the Spirit and walk in His love and His truth. Um, I was going to read that out of Genesis 4, 3 through 8, if you want to go there with me. I know we all remember the story, but reflecting on How quickly things can turn. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Cain didn't seek God going, well, why? Right away, he's angry. That's his his instinct is he's angry. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? God already knew the answer, but he's asking him. He's trying to check his spirit. Hey, why are you acting like this? So the Lord said to Cain, I'm sorry, verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. We need to rule over the sin. Get rid of it. Let it go. Let go of our anger. Be quick to get rid of those things. Keep short accounts with one another if we're angry. Verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Very first murder, and it started with anger. So we need to check ourselves if we have anger, like be real with ourselves. What, what's going on? Why am I so quick to get angry? Why am I frustrated? What's going on with me? Verse uh, 1 John three twelve. Cain murdered Abel because his works were evil and Abel's were right. Right here we see with Haman and Mordecai. Mordecai's ways are right. He has the Lord. Mordecai. Or Haman is not. His works were evil. So whatever is going on in our lives right now, personally, everybody's got stuff going on, good and bad and ugly. Um, we need to really check our hearts, where we're at, and and have the Lord seek us and show us if there's any wicked way in us, and we shouldn't run to do evil. And I know that looks different. Everybody say, "Well, I never kill anybody, and I never, you know, do this and that." And 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 hope, I'm sure not. But where's our heart with it? It's just like adultery. If you've never physically committed adultery, but you've had lust in your eyes for somebody, it says that that's adultery. So it's the same with anger in our heart and and bitterness that stirs up. It can breed a little Haman in there. So, with that, I just saw so many good little nuggets in this in this chapter, and I'm sure all of you guys had little things that were really um, encouraging and exhorting <laughs> and convicting, and so I, I'm just really glad that God is, his mercies are new every morning, and so even if we've had those anger, even if we've had crazy thoughts, and we've um, we've been the, the wife, the Zerish wife, his mercies are new every morning, and we can come to him, and we can repent, and be forgiven, and move on, so let 's pray, heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning, and we thank you for your word, we thank you, Lord, that it is alive and well, and it is um, so powerful, Lord, it can change our hearts and change our lives and Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn from this and to grow closer to you and to be more of an Esther, Lord, in our lives and um, we see the true woman of valor that she was in this. But she was human, just like us. So help us to not, uh, when we fall, help us to remember that your word says a man may fall seven times, but he gets right up. And that's because you're with us and because you encourage us. So help us, Lord, to go from here and to be different. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.